Those men were terrific, weren't they, Robert? Wow. That was great singing with you guys. <laughs> I'm dealing with the big three, Bible study, worship, and missions. Next week, I want you to come to hear a sermon from the Good Samaritan that's been burning in my heart for lo these seven years. It's a sermon I preached at the Georgia State Music Conference here not long ago, and all the guys said, you need to tell the church that. And it was a sermon about missions. So I'm going to be talking next week about the heart of our care effect and our ministries through Baptist Crossroads and what we are actually trying to do in a city that some say care forgot, but we say care affects. Care changes things. Care changes things in here and out there. Loving concern and kindness changes things in the family. So I'm going there next week. Last week I talked about Bible study ministry. We are in a whole new year of Bible study ministry. We have new units starting September 11. You'll want to check those out if you're not currently involved in Bible study. We've got great Bible teachers right here at First Baptist New Orleans, people who outline the Word of God, who make notes on passages after passage, who have notes on, their enti- on the entire Bible that they've been teaching as lay people in our church. And you will love them and the Word that they teach as you sit down and study in one of our Bible study units. Today I'm talking about worship, again from John chapter 4. And last week, we read the first part of this passage where Jesus initiates a conversation with the Samaritan woman. And finally, uh, he says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. And they're at the well where she came to draw water. But anyone who drinks the water I give him will never thirst But the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, 
I can tell that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. The first surprise of the passage is that, that Jesus speaks to the woman at all. I mean, she's surprised. He says, will you give me a drink? And she says, hey, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? She is disarmed. She is interested. The second surprise is when he introduces the idea of living water. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. What's that? Experience the powerful moment that leads you to the request, give me this water. God encounters her. He has an appointment with the woman at the well. She doesn't know. It is necessary that he goes through Samaria because he wants to meet her. At this well, she is unaware of the appointment, just like you might be unaware that you had an actual appointment with the living God who made you this very day. But God makes these appointments without us knowing. And Jesus disarms her, the wonderful teacher, with his request for a drink. She lets down her defenses. And begins the dialogue with this surprising person. Jesus takes her from the physical well and the water in the well. To spiritual water. That feeds a thirsty soul. And at first she stutter steps. She doesn't know where he's going. But pretty soon she understands. She starts getting a glimpse of, okay, this is water that... I'll never be thirsty again. And even though she uses physical terms when she says, give me this water, you can tell there's something going on in her heart. 
I believe as Jesus talks about living water and the well that will spring up inside of her, welling up to eternal life, she makes the turn as well. And in this moment, the world opens up and something happens. It's a God moment for her. It's a God moment. It's one of those moments when all the limitations you used to expect were around you just disappear. All the boundaries you thought kept you in are gone. And this moment is laden with power and possibility. Give me this water. I want this water. And God's bringing you there right now. It's the moment of worship. It's where worship begins. It's the experience of the presence of God. It's the knowledge that there's a hunger in your heart. It's connecting the thirst in your soul, the real thirst in your soul for the living water that never runs dry. This is a moment of worship. And it can open up for you this very morning, even with a feeble messenger like me. God, by his Holy Spirit, can make you see the dimension of life you've not seen for a long time. The opportunity you have to trust him in the midst of your anxiety and fear. That burden that you bear, the ability to give it to the Lord. You know you should, but you haven't had the moment of worship where you could. And God breaks into your world at the well. At the meeting place, at the appointment that he is keeping. And he's drawing you in to himself. And she's coming. She's coming. And then Jesus triggers the guilt and regret of her life. Why he does this, I still sometimes wonder. She's having her God moment. She wants the living water. Give me this water, she says. And Jesus says, go call your husband. Call your husband. It's the one order she doesn't want to hear. Everybody has skeletons in their closet. Everybody, me and you. And these skeletons, this guilt and shame and regret that we have in here, it's not just about lack of information, miscalculations, lack of wisdom. It's about violating our own inner moral sense. It's about choosing to go where we knew we should not go and in the process hurting ourselves and hurting others. It's about breaking the law of God willfully on purpose and by choice. I know you have these skeletons, as do I and this woman did, because the Bible says all are sinners. And sin is not just about making a mistake, a miscalculation. 
It's not just about doing the puzzle wrong or the multiplication wrong. It's about going where you know you shouldn't go, doing what you know you shouldn't do, crossing the line, breaking the command, missing the mark on purpose. Jesus goes there with this woman because there are two things that must happen in your heart if you're going to worship. The first is to experience the magnificent and awesome presence of God. The great power and potential in the moment of knowing that the creator God cares for you and he's made this appointment with you and he's drawing you unto himself. That one magnificent moment coupled with the truth of your own spiritual condition. Her first instinct is to run, and so it will be with you. It's the place we don't want to go. We don't want to go there to the darkest part of our soul. This is the question that she doesn't want to have asked. And when she will later tell about her encounter at the well, she will say, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. See, Jesus, with the question about her husband, put his finger on the sorest, deepest, darkest, guiltiest place in her heart. And you can't worship unless you're willing to go there. Make the journey to the place that is most difficult to acknowledge that you don't even speak about in prayer. You are afraid to say it out loud. Not only the past, but the present rebellion of your life. You don't even want to mention it when you're all by yourself with God. That's the place you've got to go. And some of you are just like the Samaritan woman. You enjoyed the sermon up to now. <laughs> and now you want to run. And I know she's running because she asks a question that is irrelevant. Our first instinct is to run. When God says, I know your insides. I know you inside out. I know all about you. And I want you to acknowledge it. Jesus came preaching, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And part of repentance is acknowledging that deep, dark place in me. Where I am farthest from the holy God that I long to approach. Isaiah came to this place and the angel said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And you know that moment. The whole earth is full of his glory. God, I give me this water. I want to drink. 
And Isaiah then says, he falls on his face before God and he says, Woe is me, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And for Isaiah to experience worship in that temple that day, the angel's got to bring a coal off the altar and burn his lips with the forgiveness of God. What I'm telling you is you can't worship unless you go here. You don't come waltzing, twirling, and dancing into the presence of a holy God and never deal with the stuff. That's, that's you playing your role. That's you putting on your mask. That's you smiling at everybody and saying, it's all fine. And that's not what God wants. God wants your heart laid open before him. That's why he calls you to confess, to see the sin, to acknowledge it, to ask for his forgiveness and to turn the other way. All of that is in the word repentance. And you haven't worshipped until you've gone there. And brothers and sisters, she runs away by asking an irrelevant question. She's the first one in the conversation to use the word worship. The devil's the first one in the conversation and the temptation to use the word worship. Fall down and worship me. Jesus says, you can only worship the Lord God and serve him alone. And now the woman who is ready to run asks the mountain question. I'll bet this has been bothering you about worship all your life, hasn't it? Which mountain should we worship on? How many of you prefer Gerizim? Mount Gerizim, that really is your passion. And if you prefer Jerusalem, well, you're, you're with a lot of folks. I had a guy tell me that everybody gets to heaven through Jerusalem. That's what he said. So if you think the question of which mountain to worship on is passe, only for you, friend. Only for you, okay? Ask a question that'll get the ire up and make the hair stand up in the back of the neck of a Zionist Jew. And he will tell you, it's Jerusalem. Now, I know the question is irrelevant because Jesus says it is. He says the time is coming when it won't matter, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. It's a distraction. It's a digression. It's a detour. It's a way of avoiding the issue about her heart. She doesn't want to look in here anymore. She's got lots of emotion about which mountain to worship on. She has lots of tradition bound up in the answer. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. Our fathers did it this way. They worshiped here. You could get a Samaritan excited talking about the mountain.
all the questions about form and style, instruments and voices, organs, pianos, drums and guitars, ties, coats, sandals and shorts. All those questions are connected to the mountain question. They're about the externals of worship. And we are just as passionate about what we believe about these external physical dimensions of worship as this woman is about the mountain you ought to worship on. And brothers and sisters, the questions may be keeping us from the God moment. Maybe it's a way to avoid really dealing with the stuff in here before a holy God. Jesus pulls her back by talking about a future that must become present. Let me say that again, okay? Her first instinct is to run. She says, well, I tell you, you're a prophet. Which mountain shall we worship on? That's like throwing a hand grenade in a gathering of Samaritans and Jews. (laughs) Now the question's off me. Jesus pulls her back by talking about a future that must become present. He says, believe me, woman. And brothers and sisters, I want you to embrace this and believe this. I want you to believe it. We live in a day of such diversity in forms of worship, and I want you to embrace it and believe it. Believe me, woman. Believe me, man. A time is coming when the mountain won't matter. When you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The time is coming when that will be the case. And then he says, yet the time is coming and now has come. Now, you may be thinking, oh, preacher, you're going where you shouldn't go. Talk about Jesus going where he shouldn't go. On a day when they revered Mount Gerizim and Mount Jerusalem, Mount Zion, for him to say, the time has now come. When it is important for God's worshipers to get over the externals and deal with the heart. Why do we gather in this room? Believe me. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about who's up here or what instruments we have. We gather in this room, and it's all about God. And if it's not about God, who is the audience of one, watching you as you worship, then it's not worship. Worship is you. 
bringing what you know of yourself to what you know of God and all you know of yourself, good, bad, and ugly, to what you know of God. Believe me, believe me, woman. A time is coming when it won't matter. This mountain or Mount Zion is not the issue. In fact, the time has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And then he says this, for they are the kind of worshipers. Hey, there's a kind of worshiper the Father God is looking for this very morning in this very room. There is a kind, a genre of worshipers. There is a kind, a class of worshipers that God is looking for. He is scouring the earth for. He is seeking them out. They are people who worship him in spirit and truth. You say, well, what does spirit and truth mean? Spirit is about that moment when you are in the presence of God and you know it. And all of the barricades fall away and your defenses are down. And you know the power and possibility of this moment with God. And truth is about you going to the darkest place in your heart and acknowledging before a holy God who you are. If you can make this journey both to the moment of great power and to the place of your greatest need, then you are worshiping in spirit and in truth. And you're drinking living water that bubbles up inside of you. It is the fount that never runs dry. So, go call your husband. Visit the place that you don't want to go. Open it up for a holy God to see. Don't pretend. Don't be a hypocrite. Come just like you are. Everything visible before his eyes. Call your husband. And say to the God who loves you despite what he sees every day, whether you seek to open it up or not, he loves you anyway. Say to the God who knows you better than you know yourself, Give me this water. Let's bow together. Now, I told you at the beginning, God has an appointment with some of you you didn't know about. Maybe it's you. Look in your heart and see. Maybe you're the one who's put off dealing with the stuff long enough. And you really can't get there with God until you do. Maybe the Holy Spirit is calling you 
to repentance, confession, and a new direction for your life. Maybe your appointment has happened because you've never been to this well before. All your life you thought that you just had to make your own way to the well and drink your own water and you had to take care of yourself and that's never satisfied your soul. You've got a thirst that you've never quenched inside. And the appointment with God today is to see that Jesus is God's chosen one, the Messiah, and to receive him by faith into your life, confessing your sin, receiving his forgiveness, and becoming his own. Will you do it? This woman leaves the well a changed person. It can happen to you when God makes an appointment and you're willing to go to the place that's hard to go to and confess your all to him. Lord, make this a moment of living water. Give us this water, God. We are needy. In Jesus' name, amen.